Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there. I'm Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 25 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, from the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. It has become my life's mission to destigmatize divorce and create a community around what is already a difficult time. We call it the evolution of dissolution. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks Podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, and welcome to the Sunny Side Up Report. I'm Laura Wasser. I'm Johnny Rains. Good morning, everyone. And this is the part of the Divorce Sex Podcast where we tell you what's gone on over the past week or so in the world of divorce, relationships, breakups, makeups, and even sometimes marriages. Oh, and starting with uh, Hollywood news, Scarlett Johansson is opening up about her upcoming film with Adam Driver. They play a divorced couple, and she says that they spent two days screaming at each other. Another interesting fact about this movie, starring the Avengers Endgame star, Ms. Johansson, is that Laura Dern is also in the same movie that is uh, being produced and directed, I guess, by Noah Baumbach. And I heard a little something that the main character is based on someone very close to me. It's not the main character. It should be the main character. Scarlett and Adam are getting divorced, and I believe that Laura Dern plays the divorce lawyer. Ah. I I think she's probably not the main character. But anyway. I um, guess guess probably Scarlett's the main character. That was from People.com. Yes. Alexia Fernandez. Next up, from Metro UK... Katie Story wrote, Whoopi Goldberg blames herself for her three marriages not working out because she was, quote, never really in love. Oh, dear. Interesting. I mean, she really blames it on societal pressures. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, you know, for those guys, she was not into them. Right. I mean, it says, Whoopi explained it took her a while to figure out she didn't want any of the things that come with being in a relationship, actually. In hindsight, marriage wasn't for her. I'm hearing a lot of young people say this these days, which is we, you know, we love each other, but we don't want to get married or even we don't want to, you know, have the confines of a marriage. We don't want to opt into whatever the state is offering us in terms of, you know, marital law. Interestingly, in this past Sunday's New York Times Sunday Styles, which, you know, I read religiously, there was by Alison Kruger, Mm. an article that says our marriage looks straight. We're not. Some people who identify as bisexual want their ceremonies to represent who they are, which I found interesting. I mean, again, I kind of at first was like, I don't know about this, but one of the... Is that a thruple? Like a thruple? No, no, no. These are couples. Okay. One of the women from Brisbane, Australia says, if I was marrying a woman, it would be obvious to everyone that I'm queer, said Ms. Dillon of Brisbane, Australia. Hmm. But because I'm holding hands with a man instead of a woman, everyone assumes I'm hetero. People think if you settle down with a bloke, you're all of a sudden straight again. And so these people wanted to be really clear that they're bi. And so at their weddings, they had, you know, Converse sneakers with rainbows all over them. They had flowers made out of paper with rainbow colors. 
I mean, look, I know I'm a little old school. Part of me is like, I'm not sure that all of your wedding guests need to know what your sexual preference exactly. is. But I understand that both of these couples that are kind of profiled here are making a point about their lifestyle. Yes. And I respect that. And I do think it's an interesting thing to think about, which is we're not closing ourselves off and we don't want to be defined in any anyway, particular right, way. Right. So interesting. I thought that was cool. I was listening to the Esther Perel uh, podcast over the weekend and she had a uh, trans couple on. And it was very interesting to hear their perspective. So I think it's so apropos that you bring up that article because right now things have absolutely changed when it comes to marriage. Absolutely. Next one is by Mandy Len Catron from The Atlantic, which we love. Always an interesting perspective. Uh, What you lose when you gain a spouse. The pressure to marry in the United States is changing, and with epic rates of loneliness in this country, expanding our sense of what counts as meaningful love could have enormous benefits. It's interesting because she's talking about how the institution of marriage has changed over the last few generations. She also points out some interesting statistics. Um... She points out that it's true that marriage is not as popular as it was a few generations ago, but Americans still marry more than people in the vast majority of other Western countries and divorce more than any other country. Why do you think that is? I don't know. The fairy tale, probably. Hmm. Next up from BuzzFeed. I love these. People are sharing the worst things they've ever witnessed at a wedding, and you seriously will not know how to respond. By Asia McLean. There's 20 of them. (laughs) <laughs> this is my favorite. Which my one? mom caught the mother of the groom blowing the bartender in the back room. Oh my god! That's the funniest part of this article are the memes that are associated with it online on BuzzFeed. I was at a wedding in which someone's sanitary pad fell off oh. in the middle of the dance floor, and someone else just kicked it to the side where it sat all night. I mean, I, I don't know what I would have done with that. I would get her to the left it there too. Give us one, Johnny. The, the, this is number twenty, the best for last. The bride's wedding vows ended with "I vow to never point a loaded gun at you again." Just remember, it's my world. You're just living in it. Her family kept talking about how beautiful her vows were. Was that a <laughs> wedding at the Hotel Bel Air? Maybe a few years ago. <laughs> All right. Next. Unhappy marriage, not grounds for divorce. Supreme Court rules. Yes. This is the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom, by the way. This woman and man have been married for like 40 years. And the courts, the high courts, as they call them over there, refused to let this woman get married because she was unhappy. And that those are apparently not grounds for divorce in Britain, which is, I guess, at fault divorce is the rule of law. Absolutely. So she. Ha- so now, how long do they have to stay married until they? Don't their attorneys know what they have to put in the petition? Well, you know, you should maybe go to England and, and school them a little bit. But there is this. There's plenty of able-bodied attorneys, <laughs> solicitors, and barristers pla- practicing in England. Something about that story doesn't sound right to me. But they probably should ultimately change the law so that something like what we have in the states, which is irreconcilable differences, yes. could be your reason. Because otherwise, there's just a whole lot of mud slinging. Well, this guy Nigel. Shepard, who belongs uh, to, he's the former chair of the uh, resolution organization in Britain, says, in practice, our current laws can often create unnecessary conflict and divorce, forcing couples to blame each other when there is no real need other than a legal requirement to do so. For over 30 years, this organization resolution has been campaigning for a system fit for a modern age where separating couples are treated like responsible adults and supported to resolve their differences as amicably as possible. Love it. The secret to our happy marriage? What is the secret? Uh, I don't know, but this Lizzie Francis did an article for Fatherly that said bonding rituals, sex, and lots of communications could be the secret. Now, that's sex or texts? Sects. 
Ah. So you text each other sexy things. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Um, this article, it showcases a couple named Marty and Dana Lamb who are, I guess, yes, sexting. And uh, also, he seems like a very respectful person of the fact that she has two kids and is really trying to manage his position in his new position in the house with two actually boys. Which I think is probably challenging. I'm, I'm sure. And again, that's something that you really need to be able to have discussions about, prioritize, etc. He says, in terms of prioritizing our physical relationship, we text each other. That's something we did more when we weren't living together. We'd send each other enticing or flirty texts or pictures. We both work out of our home, so we see each other all the time, which means we really have to ramp it up. When you miss someone and you don't see them, that brings mystery and desire. We have to be really intentional to text each other and not really schedule it. But we might say to each other, hey, let's go to bed early. Honestly, after you go out to eat at, and it's 10 or 11 at night, usually you're too tired to sex and it's probably not going to happen. What we found is because we work from home, we can have some afternoon delight. Well, this guy also makes a mean sangria, apparently, which has helped many, many couples find their way. How do you know that? Well, at least it's helped me and my my husband stay together. How do you know he makes a mean sangria? Oh, it's in the article. okay. (laughs) All right. Next up, Divorce coaches Kate Anthony and from the land down under, Megan Holgate joined family law attorney Susan Guthrie and Rebecca Zung at the Narcissist Roundtable. It's over easy as a project I've envisioned for many years now. It's an online resource which allows couples and families across the United States to be the masters of their own destiny. So when you say to your spouse, wouldn't it be better if we did it this way? We know our kids better than anyone else. We know our finances better than anyone else. Why don't we cut out the middleman, figure out what we need to figure out, and do it on our own? We can really save a lot of money. On today's episode of Divorce Sucks, we've invited some of the most experienced and dynamic voices in the world of divorce to share their expertise and tips with us about ways you can take control of your destiny and your divorce. So pay close attention, and you'll learn things today that will empower you on your journey. My first guest is the author from Australia who wrote the new book, How to Divorce a Narcissist and Not Get Screwed, which is a guide that can help you retain your finances and sanity while focusing on your future and the future of your kids. She's also a divorce recovery coach, and she's a frequent contributor to the Insights blog on itsovereasy.com. She specializes in recovery from relationships with narcissists, and she's the creator of the online program, Free Yourself from the Narcissist. All the way from the land down under. Thanks for calling in today and welcome to Divorce Sucks, Megan Holgate. Be thrilled. Megan, tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in this world. Okay, well, unfortunately, uh, many years ago, my divorce um, and my marriage ended within the space of 24 hours. I had a fantastic career in Hong Kong in the financial markets, had a beautiful newborn baby, eight weeks old, beautiful apartment. Everything was hunky-dory and then suddenly my husband decided that the marriage was over he you know couldn't be truthful he just said you know I just don't feel I love you anymore I have to work myself out you're on a plane to Sydney tonight so on that plane I realized I had lost my career my husband my marriage my home everything I'd known for the last nine years and I had no idea what was going on That continued for about six months until I found myself in the lawyer's rooms and I realized my husband had systematically transferred a lot of our money into offshore bank accounts, cleaned out my life savings basically that I'd worked in the financial markets extremely hard for for the previous eight years and 
he was homosexual and living a double life, and I just had to get on and deal with it. Oh, my God. What a dick. And you had a baby, right? A newborn, uh, much, very much loved and planned for little baby girl. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So was your husband a narcissist? Absolutely. And we, so we hear this a lot. So I have questions about this because, you know, five years ago in the family law world, it was my spouse is bipolar. And five years before that, it was my spouse is a psychopath. And so there's always these psychological terms that I find partners diagnose their spouse with. And sometimes they actually are real diagnoses and sometimes they're not. But what I've said a lot in the past year or so when narcissists has come up is it almost doesn't matter. Like, I don't know if you need an actual diagnosis. Do, does one need a diagnosis to be able to kind of protect themselves during the process if you're going through this with someone who you believe is a narcissist and has those characteristics? Well, I think the pro whole problem, um, Laura, is many of these psychologists, psychiatrists, you name it, whatever, don't diagnose these people. And you don't need a diagnosis. You just need to understand that your partner is a narcissist. And that's the whole reason I wrote my book, because I didn't. And I lost out financially. Like, I can't tell you how much, which is the main reason I do my work. Because if you understand you're dealing with a narcissist, well, then you're on a level playing field. Right. So, okay, tell us what a narcissist is. What is narcissistic personality disorder, Megan? Um, well, it's a psychiatric illness, um, number one. It's not someone, there's a difference between um, someone who is a narcissist and someone that's showing narcissistic um, personality traits. Like, for example, all the kids these days using their iPhones and being obsessed by social media, that's not a narcissist. That's just having, you know, some narcissistic like um, we just on this show we just call it being a dick you can say that That's yeah okay. totally being a dick <laughs> being a narcissist is one who will do anything for their own benefit for example um as my husband transferred all the money that i'd earned into his own bank account someone who doesn't care continually about your life doesn't matter what your plans are everything to do with him or her comes first they just you, you can tell eventually over time that they have absolutely no empathy whatsoever. It's basically them against the world. And you can't see it immediately because they're absolutely chameleons and, you know, hiding that from you. But eventually over time you can see it bit by bit by bit by bit until when people read my book, it's like bang. That's exactly what my partner is. Now, again, it's obviously best to recognize these traits, know with whom you're dealing, probably before you even get together with them, but certainly during the relationship and prior to before. I just, for those listening, because a lot of people tune in to kind of get tips and hints and think about what's going on in their lives, it would be very, very difficult for somebody to drain both sets of bank accounts during a marriage and not have any kind of accountability in the United States. I'm not sure about what the laws are in Australia or even the UK could have certain permutations. Again, if they drain the accounts while the parties are married and they're gone, the money's gone, that's yeah. a different story than simply moving it, misappropriating it and not being able to get it back. So that's one less thing for our listeners to necessarily wake up in the middle of the night worried about. In terms of your clients, because I know you coach on this and, and the yes. things that you've written, what is the best way of conducting yourself in a separation or some kind of a co-parenting situation with a narcissist? 
Um, first of all, in the divorce, the most important thing I stress is preparation, preparation, preparation. And Laura, it's, you know, you might say it's really hard to drain accounts, etc. But it's amazing what one can do over time when you don't even, you're not even aware of it. You know, I was a highly paid executive in the financial markets. I was educated. I was aware. But still, uh, they can still maneuver things that you, you can't quite grasp. So the number one thing I tell my clients is you must understand where every financial asset is. You must be on top of everything that you're purchasing together. You know, my husband was a CFO of a top investment bank. When he says, I'll look after this, of course I said, that's fine. You know, I'm busy doing this. You don't do that. You make sure that you are 100% aware of everything that's going on. It's not that you don't trust that person, but it's just it's just to retain your power and financial power is everything. Yes. And we talk about this so often in terms of particularly women, but men too, kind of abdicating the power over finances, allowing one person to deal with them. And again, that's fine, but you should be having monthly or quarterly check-ins. You should be watching what's going on. Tell us a little bit about co-parenting. So your baby was so young at the time that you split up, but how do you co-parent with a narcissist? Well, you have to have absolutely super strong boundaries as as strong as cement. And um, that's one thing when you do partner with a narcissist, your boundaries go down and down and down as you continue to make them happy as that's just part of the dynamics of the relationship. So when you are divorced, the number one thing I have to work on is your boundaries Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter whatever parenting papers are put in stone, the narcissist will continue to want to change them, want to you know, change whatever's from week to week to month to year, whatever, they'll continue just to try and, you know, change whatever to suit them. So you have to ensure that whatever's set in stone is set in stone and the children are the number one priority and you don't let any um, emotions get into the, the raising of your children together. What's the best advice that you can give somebody that's recovering from a relationship with a narcissist? You've made it through. You're starting out new. You know that on Divorce Sucks, we talk quite often about next chapters. How do you get these people the kind of strength and the will to move on onto their next relationships or even becoming, you know, having a healthy relationship with themselves? Yeah, that's really important, Laura. And that's the... um a whole thing of my next book and it's the most important part because what happens when you end the relationship with the narcissist you're so burnt that you're very cynical um very negative but the most important thing i stress and what i went through is you have to get to the core of why you partnered with a narcissist because there is a why ah. i know people say oh you know i just didn't see it coming no 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 there's a why there's an underlying cause that you allowed it to happen and um that's that's the gold in everything what what are is it like a parent who left or is it having a parent who is abusive? What are the common themes that you see with people that get kind of magnetized to these to these narcissistic personalities? Um, there's three main things I have seen, and I've worked with psychologists and a psychoanalysts with this. Is number one, you've been a, a son or a daughter of a narcissist, which is applicable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're used to giving too much because you always want that um, approval of love. A very common one too is you were just in a very low place and, you know, Prince or Princess Charming just came along and swooped you off and you kept ignoring the red flags that were there. 
they're the most most common too, Laura. And I, I find I'd say sixty to seventy percent of people in narcissistic relationships have been a son or a daughter of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. But not all narcissists are high end. It's a spectrum disorder. So your parent may not have been horrific. It's just this underlying thing that you continually gave too much to try and get their approval. Understood. And what's, what is the, the downtime? How long do you usually think it takes to kind of extricate yourself from one of these relationships and be able to move on? Or does it really just depend on the individual? It depends on the um, individual, Laura. And, you know, I don't think there's a time. But the most important thing I um, stress also is there's no point locking yourself away and, you know, isolating yourself and saying, I need this long to go through, you know, therapy or whatever. Get out there because if you're not living your best life, they're winning because Mm -hmm. they are. Right. They've moved on before you've left the front door. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to TrueCar, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions, navigation, moonroof, watch as they pump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So, when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out TrueCard today. True cash offer not available in all areas. Joining us next to share her tips on reclaiming your power is someone I love speaking with. In fact, we just spoke on her podcast called The Divorce Survival Guide. I think it was, was it in May, Kate? I think it was, yeah. yeah. In addition to hosting her own podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide, she's also a sought-after divorce coach who helps her clients answer the daunting question of, as The Clash said, should I stay or should I go? <laughs> she's an expert in communication, co-parenting, and emotional intelligence. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Kate Anthony. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here too. Tell us a little bit about. By the way, Kate clearly listens to us because she came in. She's like, I got to change shoes. These are my driving <laughs> shoes. Now I'm putting my. So she changed her shoes. Tell us a little bit about what got you into this. I, I like to give our listeners a little bit of backstory on everybody so that they can kind of have an idea of who who's here. Yeah. So I got into this because I had a terrible, terrible, volatile marriage and a really great divorce. Oh. And I became sort of the go-to person for, you know, people asking me how to do it. So, I mean, ultimately, when I was in the depths of despair, struggling to decide whether or not to leave my marriage, I wanted someone to tell me. I want, I asked everyone. I wanted a burning bush. I didn't care if it was Morgan Freeman or, you know, somebody, like, somebody tell me what I should do. Um, and ultimately, um, that's what led me to create my, my signature program, which is should I stay or should I go? Because there was nothing, right. there was nothing out there like that. And nobody was willing to tell me and there was not a whole lot of information. Right. So it's so true. Yeah. I had a chapter of my book called How Do You Know? I mean, literally, unless there is that burning bush, God, it would be great. Morgan Freeman could do like a whole side hustle where he just shows up and says, <laughs> Kate. 
It's time to go. It's time. <laughs> but so how, I mean, and how, what do you tell people? How do they know? I usually try to fudge it and say, well, when the bad outweighs the good. But what what is your way of getting to buy girl? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, a lot of it is education, mm-hmm. right? So some of it is I do a lot of confidence work with women. I do a lot of work with building their self-esteem because ultimately I think that we would know whether we should stay or go if we had solid self-esteem. I know that if I had really solid self-esteem, I would have been out of my marriage probably five years earlier. Now, when you say it was volatile, was it abusive or it was just, I mean, physically abusive no. or just mentally oh, abusive? No, just, okay. emotionally, okay. just emotionally abusive, which, you know, it is... It's just as bad, ultimately. We don't have bruises, but um, it can be just as bad. And I want to say we have a fantastic co-parenting relationship now. So both things are possible. Yes. So, wait, you were asking me something... Well, I was asking you what your other, like, I'd say, I always ask people for their tips. Like, how? what do you say? And is it only women that you coach? Do you have male... I really only work with women, mostly because women seek me out more than men do. And I think women tend to seek out personal development work more so than men. Right. I, I wish, but um, it hasn't worked out that way. Okay. Um, so I have them. I do a lot of confidence work with them. I also do a lot of education about what is a healthy relationship. What should it look like? How are, you know, cis-hetero relationships affected by the patriarchal systems that we all live in? And how, do, how does that, like, if this is just the way it is, is your marriage just a victim of circumstance and the mm-hmm. way that that cis hetero relationships kind of are today or is it is it your marriage right <laughs> right so there's there's an there's a lot of education there's a lot of personal development um, inner guide work inner critic work and then there's sort of you know what would your what might your life look like right Right. Right. Because I think we kind of have to know, like, is the grass going to be greener or is this just going to be like no bueno? Well, yeah. So many people don't take that next step out of fear of the unknown. So I'd rather the devil, you know. Exactly. Do many of your clients say, I just, I I think, I think I can change it. If I just work a little harder, if I just do this, if I just Mm -hmm. lost some weight or Mm -hmm. I was a little bit more this or willing to skydive, then it would work. Totally. Totally. Women in my experience, have been bending themselves into pretzels for sometimes decades to try and make themselves enough for this marriage to make it work. Right. And more often than not, their husbands are saying, well, this is who I was when you married me. And, you know, I'm not, I'm right. <laughs> not willing to change. Right. And I do also find from my work in private practice that a lot of times men are like, this is how it is. I mean, and I'm actually fine yeah. with it. Am I madly in love? Do I get butterflies? Is it romantic? No, but this is the lot I've been cast in life. She's my wife. Right. Sometimes they'll go out and have affairs, but generally they'll figure out another thing to kind of fill that hole. And mm-hmm. so they will not be the ones to A, try to change it or B, to leave. Yes. And, and that's why 69% of mar- of divorces are initiated by, by women. women. Uh-huh. And it's really interesting. I think you, you hit the nail on the head that they really do feel like they do find other ways. And I think that's from a primal perspective that we are looking for our emotional needs to get right. met. And men are not as much as we are. What do you tell clients? Do we call them clients? Patients, clients, okay. clients, yeah. When they say, um, "Is it going to screw up my kids?" I would do this. I would do it for me, but I don't want to mess up my kids. Yeah. What's the answer there? The answer is that, that statistically, that does not bear out. Um, there have been tons of studies that have been done on this, and divorce doesn't screw up kids. What screws up kids is the way we do divorce. Right. How the litigation system can get its hands in there and start to use, 
you know, percentage of custody or things like that and put the kids in the middle. Right. If you put your children at the center of every decision that you make, you're not going to fuck up your kids. Right. And I've, I've, I've done the empirical research. I've asked my son. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he How says, old was no. he when you guys split? He was three and a half. Okay. And he's almost 14. Right. And, and he's well, he's well adjusted. He's a good, he I mean, look, it. there's going to be kids that take it harder. Sure, I think younger generally is better if you can get away with it. I agree. But I totally agree with you. And I also, I think this is true too. It is healthier for children to see happy parents, even if they're alone yes. You know, yep. rather than miserable parents. Yeah. So if you're a mom or a dad who's dancing around the kitchen making dinner or able to laugh and giggle rather than being in some kind of a conflict, you know, resentful situation with your spouse, isn't that better for yes. your kids? It is 100% better for your kids. Your kids, kids need to see healthy, happy parents. The only way that we can raise healthy, happy children is to provide healthy, happy homes for them to be raised in and models of people with strong self-esteem and and healthy boundaries around relationships and all of those things. Right. Because if you think about, if you're staying and you're thinking that you're staying for your kids and think about how miserable you are, think about how- What that's like, doing to your kids. What you're modeling right. to them. Right. Totally. Yeah. So, okay. we My my guest right before you, who's still holding on, mm-hmm. Megan Holgate, talks a lot about narcissism. I know yes. that's a big buzzword right now in our culture. And I almost everybody that comes to me, male or female, goes, so here's the thing. I'm sure you haven't really heard too much about this, but my spouse- Narcissist. And I'm like, oh, really? How about that? So tie that in. I'm sure you hear about it a little bit. We've written about it on the blog. Her book is called, you know, How How to Divorce a Narcissist and Not Get Screwed. Tell us about the narcissist factor, please. Oh, my God. I, I, I can't believe how much this has come to the forefront of my work because I, I never saw I never sought to have it be a huge part of it and but it is right it's trending now it's <laughs> trending now at like there's a portal has been opened up right and we are now in it um so it 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 figures prominently in my work and the way that I help clients deal with that is around healthy boundaries because mm-hmm. here's the thing almost all of the literature out there about uh, narcissists and and sort of dealing with narcissists is to go no contact right we as parents don't have that luxury. Right. So we have to work extra hard to figure out how to have healthy boundaries around them, how to communicate with them, how to continue to co-parent with someone. And, you know, narcissism is a spectrum. Right. So That's what Megan was saying, too. Yeah. So, you know, my ex-husband is a narcissist. He's not a malignant narcissist. He's not a, you know, a he doesn't have narcissistic personality disorder. He's just sort of like you're right on the bus. So that's that's a whole different ballgame. Right. But when you're dealing with someone with narcissistic personality disorder, then we have structures like, you know, our family wizard. We have communication structures right. and boundaries around those things. And the most important thing that you can do is do your own work. Right. You've got to do your own work. You've got to fortify yourself. This is like armoring up to go into battle and making sure that you are protected emotionally, physically, legally financially. Right. Right. But I only really deal with the, you know, psycho emotional side of it. And you've got to get fortified and strong enough and confident enough because their design is to keep you knocked off right. balance. Right. right. And so if you we have to become like the strongest oak trees with the deepest roots possible. So that core no work, core we, work, core folks. work, yes. core work, no matter how strong the wind blows, you're not getting knocked off that paddle your board. foundation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Laura Wasser, your host, and this is Divorce Sucks. 
Today, I've called on divorce experts far and near to share their tips with us, all with the hope of empowering you listeners through what lays ahead. Together with my team at It's Over Easy and the community we're building across our social channels on YouTube channel, It's Over Easy TV, and in the index, we are disrupting the conversation about divorce. All relationships evolve. Some end. It's happening. It's called the evolution of dissolution. And the emotional part of a breakup is not easy, but the legal part of a divorce does not have to be bankrupting or destroying your entire family. Trust me. Today, we're speaking with divorce coaches Megan Holgate and Kate Anthony. And joining us next are two more prominent voices in the modern divorce movement. From our evolution of dissolution, they are esteemed family law attorneys with stellar accomplishments, and they co-host Breaking Free, a modern divorce podcast. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Rebecca Zung and Susan Guthrie. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you very much, Laura. We appreciate being here. So, Susan, the current buzzword in divorce these days seems to be narcissist. Everyone is divorcing a narcissist. Give us your thoughts on this. You know, that's so true. I'm so glad you said that because certainly about, you know, 30 years ago when I started practicing, you really didn't hear that buzzword at all. But um, everyone today does seem to think they are divorcing a narcissist. But, you know, there's really only a small percentage of the population that's actually you know, has narcissistic personality disorder, but it doesn't really matter whether they are a narcissist or whether you just think they are. Right. You know, I actually, a very wise attorney that I know recently said they may not be a narcissist. They may just be an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I remember saying that on our our (laughs) podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, And that's so true. You know, frankly, when people are going through divorce, that's when their inner asshole does come out. But it does seem like people have a perception that they are going through at least a high conflict divorce or there's a high level of conflict. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons why Rebecca and I recently did a uh, created a program on high conflict coaching for people going through divorce because so many people are looking for help on managing a spouse who is either a narcissist, a bipolar disordered person, um, or someone with a high conflict personality. So Rebecca, tell us the best way to deal with a narcissist or a controlling personality when you're negotiating a divorce or a breakup. What are the tips you give to the folks that you speak with? Well, first of all, you have to remember that a narcissist always wants to be right. They want to win. (laughs) (laughs) They have to win. And so the only way that you're going to get what you want is by letting them think that they're winning. So you have to create a, uh, when you're preparing for your, your negotiation, of course, you're going to prepare and you're going to do your research and you're going to have your data and you're going to have your information and you're going to create your leverage. And when you do all of that, then you're going to create your first offer. And your first offer is going to be your best case scenario. You win everything. And from that, you're going to decide what it is that you can live without. What are your minimums? What are you the things that you, what I call your choke point? I had a, cl- a client one time say vomit point, but okay, <laughs> either way, you know, what's going to be the minimum where you decide ahead of time what you're going to walk away from. But then if you get 
basically, by and large, what it is that you want, then you just make a big show like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you beat me so much and you got so much and blah, blah, blah. Even if inside you're going, oh, I got exactly what I wanted. That's right. fine. They have to think that they won. Right. So that's the really the, the most important thing that you have to remember when negotiating with a narcissist. And I feel like often we kind of know this going into the breakup because we've known how to deal with these people during our, I say to clients often, like, you know how to deal with your husband or your wife better than anybody does. Now we're just going to take this to the full finale of everything. Whatever worked for you during the marriage in terms of the negotiation, call it manipulation, if you will, whatever it is, you know what buttons to push and not to push. So let's use some of those techniques that you've mastered during this relationship to figure out a way to extricate yourself. Susan, what's one top tip you'd give some Someone whose divorce is dragging out for getting an agreement so that they can just move on. You know, I, I think it builds on what you and Rebecca were just talking about. It's taking the folk, you know, when, when people get to that point where they're like, why is my divorce dragging on? It's usually that they are focused on what the other person will not give them mm-hmm. or what the other person wants. And instead, I think you have to do that mental pivot and look at what your peace of mind is worth to you. And that goes to what Rebecca was saying about what you're willing to give up, what you can walk away from, because so often, you know, we all see the clients who just get stuck on the principle of the thing or that concept of I have to have this. And if they would really look at what getting this over with would mean for them, that ability to move on. And if they can just focus on what that's worth, because only they know. Right. That that's usually where the pivot happens. I call it the come to Jesus talk. Every client gets one. I, I totally agree. I was just talking to the, the guy that does the podcast before ours, Todd Garner, has just said, he, you know, so many of his friends have sat down and paid it forward to friends of theirs who are getting divorced. And he has said to them, as the person who's paying it forward is, you'll make more money. Like a year from now, what's going to matter to you? Is that every other Wednesday night really going to matter? Is that extra $150, you know, a year really going to matter? Isn't it better to have this done? So I, I get it, that, that come to Jesus pivot point. Rebecca, you talk about the divorce paradox in your book, Breaking Free, a step-by-step divorce guide for achieving emotional, physical, and spiritual freedom. Great title. Tell our listeners why it's important to be aware of the divorce paradox when dealing with your divorce. Thank you. Well, so the divorce paradox is what I call, I call it a a paradox. It's basically during the worst, most traumatic time of your life, which every study you look at, the worst, most traumatic things people deal with are divorce and death. So divorce is always right up there at the top. You have to make the most critical decisions of your life about your, your money, your children, your home, your business, all the things that matter the most to you. So it's really, really important to get a hold of your emotions and the way to do that is by listening to podcasts like this right. or reading books like yours and mine and, and getting information because once you get a hold of your emotions, then you'll be able to make clear decisions about your life going forward. Totally agree. So to both of you, what is your best advice for moving forward? We call them the next chapters. What do you guys think? What do you counsel people both as clients and as, as in your divorce coaching practices? How does that work? I think the most important thing is to just look forward and not look back. And and who cares what your ex is doing or who they're with or, or how much money they're spending or whatever. Create your own life. Create your own new world, your new friendships, all of that. And just focus on yourself and your life will be so much better. Agree, Susan? 
Yeah, you know, that's my really my core advice to clients as well. This is your opportunity to put what has happened in the past behind you and take a moment to think about what you want that future that's ahead of you to look like. Everyone sees it as this big black hole and it's scary, but really it's an amazing opportunity. There, There is an opportunity here for you to really do that mental shift and create a new future with whatever you want in it without the past holding you back. Totally agree. All right, so now we're going to do what we call our rapid-fire roundtable. The fact that more people are accepting divorce and learning the laws in their state or country are signs that our work is having the desired positive impact. And the willingness of people to be the masters of their own destinies enables parties to get things kind of worked out between themselves as opposed to hiring two lawyers to duke it out at their expense. I've brought everyone together now for a rapid-fire roundtable of tips that you or someone you know can and should consider along the way. Author and divorce coach Megan Holgate from Australia. Say hi, Megan. Hi, Laura. (laughs) Divorce coach Kate Anthony, the host of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. Hello. Top mediation attorney and the incoming chair of the American Bar Association's Section of Dispute Resolutions Mediation Committee, Susan Guthrie Esquire. Hi, everybody. And her co-host on Breaking Free, a modern divorce podcast, here with me in studio, Rebecca Zung Esquire, who is one of the top 1% of divorce attorneys in the nation, recognized by the U.S. News and World Report as best lawyer in America and dubbed as legal elite by Trend Magazine. Hello. Thanks for having me. And she has on an awesome dress. So, to everybody. (laughs) She does. Going around, starting with you, Megan, and then Kate, Rebecca, and Susan, in that order, please share one piece of empowering advice for someone considering divorce. What I say about um, considering divorce, think of it as the not the end of your life, but the beginning of something absolutely exciting that you are the master of your destiny. Kate. I love it. Do your own work. Really focus on yourself and your own growth and healing because divorce is the most fertile ground for emotional healing I think that there is. Rebecca. It's time to revolutionize the conversation about your life, and this is your moment to do that. I know for me, divorce was the best thing that ever happened to me, and it can be for you too. Susan. You know, make your own decisions. This is a time in life where you do not need to put your life into the hands of other people. You can educate yourself and make all those decisions that need to be made to process your divorce yourself. And I'm going to throw one more of my own into the hopper here, just because these words really did resonate with me that my friend Todd said before we started. Pay it forward. So many of us are done and we're like, I'm out. Talk to somebody else about it. Take one friend to lunch that is going through it. Tell her or him some of the things that you learned, the benefit from your wisdom and experience. I think that is essential, knowing that there's a community of people out there that have been through it. We're sharing it here on Divorce Sucks. Share it over a glass of wine. Share it over a sandwich. But share it because it really does help knowing that somebody's been through it and come out the other end. I saved a few minutes just for this. Uh, those of you who listen know we have the divorce sets interrogatories. Do you each swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes, we do. Okay. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so help me God. <laughs> Megan, what is your relationship status? I'm single at the moment, Laura. Okay, fellas. And um, Kate? I'm single. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca? 
married to my second husband. <laughs> she says, rolling <laughs> her eyes. Susan, I am very married to my second husband. Yes, there was a gorgeous ring. I saw that when we were at the Best You Ever <laughs> event. Okay, and now, Susan, starting with you, what's your favorite breakup song? You know, I love It Ain't Over Till It's Over by Lenny Kravitz, uh-huh. mainly because I love Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> Kravitz. Rebecca? Well, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover is pretty awesome, but You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. That's my song. <laughs> Megan, how about you? She took mine. That was mine. Oh. <laughs> All right. We're definitely going to have to pull some of that into this recording. All right. To each of you, what would you say to cheer up a friend going through a breakup? Kate. Ooh, that's a hard one. I, I think I would say, again, do your own work. Really do your own work and notice, take responsibility for what's yours and let go of what's not. And Rebecca. I would say stop giving other people control over your feelings. Don't let them decide how you're going to feel. Take care of it yourself. Susan? You know, I always say you're never going to find the right one if you stay with the wrong one. So, And that's the voice of experience. I like it. Megan, how about you? I've got an old saying. It's whatever um, is right for you will not go past you. So just keep moving forward because the right person is is not the one that you've just walked away from. I like it. Mm. Okay. And the final uh, divorce sucks interrogatory, starting with Rebecca. What rom-com could you watch on repeat? I, I guess I'm going to have to say four weddings and a funeral. I know it's like super old, but I love that. <laughs> Wait a minute. You, start, you led with 50 ways to leave your lover. That's older than that. Okay. <laughs> Kate? I think uh, 27 Dresses. Yes. That's a great one. That <laughs> is an absolute great one. Okay. Uh, Megan? I'm a full weddings too, but also something's got to give. Something. Oh, that is a really good one. And finally, Susan? You know, it's pretty woman, but not because of the happy ending, but more because of that scene where she walks back into the boutique and says, <laughs> big mistake. Do you I work on that. commission? I, do. I I like the one even before when he says, there's going to have to be some kissing up. And then he starts kissing up to Richard Gary said, not to me, to her. Yeah, the whole boutique thing was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. I May- have to say, oh. and something's got to give, they, uh, Julie Roberts had the best line where she said, I have no time for the nervous breakdown I so richly deserved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel that one deep. (laughs) Megan, Kate, Rebecca, and Susan, thank you guys all so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. It was fabulous. Tell us how our listeners can keep up with you or find you online. Megan, uh, on the phone, tell us first. They can find me at www.meganholgate.com. And Strive to be Kind Lunch in Australia? Yes, on July 26th um, for Domestic Violence, Strive to be Kind. It's link in my bio. Please um, sign up. And Megan's Instagram is at Megan.Holgate, H-O-L-G-A-T-E. Kate, how about you? I am at KateAnthony.com, and my podcast on iTunes is the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, and you can follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. Which we do. Rebecca, tell us. Coaching, mediation, podcast, IG. 
Yes, so my personal website is RebeccaZung.com, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-Z-U-N-G.com. Mediation website, Breaking Free Mediation. Podcast is BreakingFreePod.com. And my Instagram is at RebeccaZung. And Susan. So my personal website is divorceinabetterway.com. Um, you can also find out about Re- Rebecca's and my uh, divorce and coaching services at that breakingfreemediation.com. We have Breaking Free, a modern divorce podcast. And then my uh, Instagram is at Susan underscore Guthrie underscore ESQ. And Guthrie is G-U-T-H-R-I-E. Ladies, I cannot thank you enough for being here. Listeners, don't freaking tell me that you didn't have resources. We gave them to you today. Educate yourselves. Read up. Listen up. And as with any divorce, it's all about communication. Have an open and in-depth conversation with your partner. Now is the time to master the communication you may not have been good at during your marriage. But by doing so, you become the master of your destiny and you are in control. Narcissist partner or not. For more tips, tell us what you want to know in the comments at iTunes and rate us so we know we're doing it right or not. Thanks, everyone. More later. I'm Laura Wasser. Get ready to turn out for The Dance Room on Podcast One. Join renowned veteran dancers and choreographers Heather Morris from Glee and Ava Flav as they share their onstage stories, chat it with guests, and recap all your favorite TV dance shows. Download new episodes of The Dance Room every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.